Welcome to FMC Radio, your officially unofficial source for all things Free Methodist. From in-depth discussions with key FMC leaders to daily updates from General Conference, we want to keep a consistent stream of information flowing to you regarding where God is leading the Free Methodist Church. I'm your host, Josh Avery, and I want to invite you to sit back, relax, and join us as we learn together now what it means to be Free Methodists in this episode of the FMC Radio Show. Hey everyone, October 19th, this is episode 155, and uh, just a couple updates before we get into today's episode. Uh, First of all, I just want to remind us to keep on praying for Kevin Austin, the founder of Set Free Movement. He has been recovering. Uh, If you listened to last week's episode, or maybe you just heard online, but he was hiking and fell down and broke a lot of bones in his face. Um, We're thankful that it wasn't any more serious of an injury in terms of hurting his eyes or anything like that. Uh, But we want to keep on praying for him, and he has been recovering slowly but surely, uh, getting better after his surgery. So we are happy about that. Um, And also kind of an update uh, from last week as well. Uh, This past week, in between last week's episode being released and uh, discussing the book um, that Kevin has written, uh, the pre-orders have come out. So in other words, you can pre-order Kevin Austin's book now. It is titled Set Free, A Guide to Pursuing Liberation in an Age of Bondage, of course, written by Kevin Austin uh, alongside Katie Bergman. And so um, it's a pre-order right now on freemethodistbooks.com. I'll go ahead and put a link to it in the show notes so you can click directly on there and uh, order it. Um, but 25% of the retail price actually goes to the Set Free Movement. So you're actually donating a fourth of the purchase uh, directly to Set Free Movement. Um, So this is a way that if you were going to donate, why not just pick up the book? You then do do the kind of this double duty. You donate towards the book, but also you can take what you learn and maybe apply it to some way that you can move in the direction of freedom. And today we're going to be talking a little bit to um, Amanda Phillips in just a few moments here about education, about pornography. We're going to talk about trafficking again. Again, this is our eight-episode series on on this topic uh, with people all over the world. So um, I want to get into that, but before we do that, um, let's pause and let's pray for Kevin, and let's pray for Amanda and her team, uh, who we're about to talk to here in a moment. Dear God, I just thank you for um, this time that we have here to be coming together all over the world through this podcast and be able to just tune in wherever we're at and and just pray this prayer in unison together. Um, I pray right now that you'll continue to help heal Kevin and that you'll be with him during this time um, of having to sit back and and rest and um, take it easy as he heals. And we also pray for um, Amanda and the whole team in Set Free Macon County um, and we just pray that you'll be with them as they um, work on educating people. And um, I pray even today as um, Amanda has educated us through this podcast and we're about to hear her interview, hear her words, I pray that those words of education, those words of um, understanding would uh, seep into us, that we would, as the listeners, um, understand, not only understand, but also take in and be transformed by the words that she's going to be speaking today. And... Um, So we just pray that we can all come together and move somehow in the direction of freedom today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, I'm going to transition over to Amanda's interview. And I just mentioned that all the music this month is from Remedy Drive. Um, The song today is the song I Don't Belong to You from the album The North Star. So this is a portion of that, and then we'll be back for our interview. Don't own me I don't belong to you I don't 
We're back once again with another member of a yet another Set Free team. And I'm here today with Amanda Phillips from Set Free team in Macon County. And that's in Illinois, isn't it? Yes, it is. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm excited to talk to you today. We haven't talked to anybody yet in this round um, of interviews. I think early on in our podcast, we had uh, one team from Illinois, but it wasn't you guys. So I'm excited to talk to you today, and, and thanks for coming on and talking to us. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah. Um, so I guess just to start out, uh, because we are getting to know through this this month's podcast episodes, we're getting to know all these different um, faces and names and uh, get to know different people that are involved with Set Free. So just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, maybe the church you're involved in and, and how you became involved with the Set Free team and, and what led to right now. Uh, most definitely. So um, my friend Abby Fritzgerald, she was our original uh, leader of our team, and she just called me up one day and wanted to have a conversation. <laughs> so I came over to her house, and um, she she just sat me down and said, Amanda, um, she just felt this burden on her heart from God that uh, um, she needed to do something about uh, sexual assault. And then throughout that conversation, human trafficking came up, and she really felt like God was pushing her in that direction. And then sure enough, she called me the next week, and we had another conversation. And I don't know how many conversations later, but we had another person or two joined this just little group discussion. And then it seemed like, I don't know, a month maybe later, two months later, suddenly she's talking to Kevin Austin, and we're talking about um, making this team called Step Free. And so um, it's been quite a journey. And that was about six years ago, I think. Okay. Uh, so... So yeah, um, I've always had a heart for uh, things revolving around uh, social justice, especially domestic violence, uh, sexual assault, um, and so uh, it was just kind of really cool to, to start that with her and you know be involved in that conversation from the get go. And we're and it's interesting. All of our uh, members of our set free team are all from different churches. So me and Abby did not go to the same church either. So we all um, are kind of scattered throughout our community, which has been really good, um, but. But yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. Again, that just shows, um, and I don't know exactly. We so I've recorded kind of some behind the scenes information here. I've recorded um, several episodes already, um, but uh, you know I don't know when will when this one will fall. However, we're talking with a lot of people about unity. Um, you know, we talked mm-hmm. with a team from Michigan, uh, Tammy Dindoffer. Um, about kind of that unity of different groups coming in and just seeing that um, connection on this issue. Because again, there are so many differences that we can have, even within churches. Uh, you know, people start to differentiate. Well, the Baptists, they have this point of view, and, you know, <laughs> then the Free Methodists, and, you know, you get down to, you know, predestination, free will, all these uh, different theological things. But when it comes to the issue of human trafficking, people. Uh, don't get into those debates. They're all on board with being against this. Right, right. Yeah. yeah so it's, it really does bring people together. And even in some of the other interviews we're talking about, you know, even um, in a non-Christian perspective, non-Christians are, are being brought into the mission of this in a lot of places as well. Um, so I think uh, um, I'm going to probably place this early on in my in the recordings because... Um, we're talking with all these different teams, but I know one big thing that you guys have focused in on for a while now is education um, and kind yep. of letting people know about human trafficking. And I guess first you can just tell us about who you've been talking to and what kind of you know age range or, or whatnot that you're speaking to. But then we'll get into some of that education for those of you who are listening out there. And I think that will be important for you guys to hear early on in this set of episodes uh, so that when we get to, you know, Tammy Dindoff, we're talking about where foster care falls in with this. And we hear from uh, the work that David Zach is doing overseas with Remedy Drive. We're going to talk to some of these people and you're going to already have this core information in this episode here from Amanda um, giving us the education on what this looks like and kind of getting rid of some of the myths that are now on Facebook and that sort of a thing. So all that to right. say, <laughs> tell us first and <laughs> foremost, your, your team, who do you guys speak to often and what age range and that thing? Oh, that's, it's really all over the place. Um, we've been many times where we went directly into schools um, and we've talked to uh, middle schoolers through high school. 
Um, we've done a lot of conversations with community organizations that just want to know more about this, um, like women's groups, churches. Uh, we actually talked to the police department, and then they and then they came back and talked to us as well. So that was kind of cool. Um, we went into a few of the uh, medical facilities nearby. Um, I can't remember if we've talked at the foster care agencies specifically or just talked to the different some different foster care workers individually. Uh, but yeah, it's really it's really been pretty awesome because we we I feel like we've really gotten a good job of kind of uh, going full circle around our community, and then we've made good um, uh, connections with the domestic violence shelter here and the sexual assault center here. So that's been great as well. Yeah, it's a wide range of people. Then um, you know some of the other yeah. teams are working mostly primarily in schools, but yeah, there's so many groups that need this, and some that don't even realize uh, that they might need this training. I mean, I know. More recently, police are kind of coming into this understanding, but for a long time, um, at least around here in Youngstown, um, what we've heard from the the newly formed uh, task force against human trafficking on the police forces, they, they, they never realized how much they needed this kind of training and how much uh, they were coming into contact with this issue until somewhat recently. Um, so right. there's so many people that need trained on the realities because there are a lot of myths out there um, about trafficking because it is a scary thing. It can be unknowns. Um, and so people fill in the gaps with stuff made up or stuff from movies. Um, right. So maybe you can you can start us off there and just kind of tell us, um, maybe deconstruct some of the myths that are out there regarding human trafficking. Oh, yeah, most definitely. So uh, I think uh, a lot of these conversations seem like they started when that movie Taken came out. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, um, <laughs> you know... That was everyone's fear that someone was going to uh, snatch, you know, their their son or daughter literally off the street, and they were going to be passed from, you know, person to group to group to group, and, and they were going to have to hunt them down and find them. Um, but <laughs> this yeah. is not the movie taken, and we are not in the Milton. So, uh, really, what we are seeing uh, most often is things. It starts in the internet uh, most often nowadays. It starts with a conversation often. Um, Sometimes it could be someone you actually know who is introducing you to maybe graphic images online or um, kind of starting a conversation about uh, sexual things. But often it's not, a lot of times it's also strangers uh, who are just prowling the internet to talk to people in different ways um, and kind of start become your friend or you feel like they're your friends anyways. And you're starting a conversation with them, you feel like they know you and you know them. And next thing you know, they're asking for pictures or they're asking to meet in person. And then things kind of spiral from there. Um, so that's kind of like one general scenario of how we're seeing a lot of it. And then there's also a lot of um, familial trafficking where family members are seeking an opportunity. They see an opportunity to get some money. Maybe maybe they have a drug issue or maybe for whatever reason they're struggling and need rent. And they, say, they see that they could literally uh, sell their child and or family member. Um, for money in a sexual way and get get money in return to pay their rent or to feed their drug habit. So that is a lot of what we see in our area and the surrounding areas. Hmm. So, I mean, we've almost come, you know, today in, in this year, 2020, we've come kind of a full circle from that. Um, you know, you go, we're going back to when Taken came out and some of the stuff that, again, yeah, like over the... In that movie, you know, the girl goes on a trip with her friend and then they kind of break in. And um, But we kind of come around to that now on social media recently, especially. People uh, kind of saying this thing, watch out because there's some people out there on the streets ready to take your kids off the streets and force them into this lifestyle. Um, right. Now, why is that not normally uh, the the pattern? Why Why wouldn't a trafficker go to look for kids walking down the street and just pick them up? I would say because it's a whole lot easier to do through the internet. Um, the yeah. anonymity of it all and the, the ease of finding uh, finding people who are willing to talk to you and willing to uh, uh, um, start the path towards trafficking, if you will, uh, it's so much easier than literally physically getting out of your house, going on the street and searching for somebody. And you're more likely for someone to notice. You might have to actually fight someone. Like, it's just you're bypassing a lot of... Uh, a lot of what ifs and a lot of issues by the them to just go straight to the internet. 
Yeah, that's absolutely that's absolutely true. And there's so many you never know today with people having the ring doorbells, what's going to be on camera, and all these sorts of things. That um, again, it's just it's so unlikely, and it's not to say it would never happen. There are kidnappings that do occur uh, with this or any issue, but it's it's Mm -hmm. much lesser than anybody has kind of been led to believe, especially recently. Um, Right. Well, so when we talk about online, um, I know when the internet first came around, and I, maybe I was talking to Kevin about this, but I forget who it was, but we were kind of talking about, you know, when the internet first came around, there was, you know, AOL Instant Messenger, and parents were on top of kids, always, at, at least mine were, and I know a lot of my friends, their parents were always asking them, now, who are you talking to on there? Who's on your buddy list? If <laughs> you remember back to the 90s, those who were around then, uh, you had a buddy list of friends. Well, who's this? Who's that? And, uh, you know, if your parents were following up, they'd be seeing who you were speaking to and seeing what kind of chat rooms you're going into. Now, today, that, that, that form would be dial up and they'd kind of know when you're online because you're using up the phone line. Today, you right. have it in your pocket. Um, what are the means today that these traffickers are going to be specifically reaching out to kids? Oh, mainly through social media and video games. Um, almost all uh, teenagers are on them nowadays. It's very rare to find someone who's not on some, some kind of social media um, and or playing some kind of video gaming. Anything that connects to the Internet, so any type of video game that you have to connect to the Internet to use, there's a, an ability to check whether it's uh, just like talking, like literally you can hear them in your headset or you're sending them a message. So um, they're going where kids are, which is social media and video games most definitely all the time. I think a lot of parents do uh, think right away of social media, of course, because of, of that, uh, so, many, so many people on there. But I don't think a lot of people do think about, those video, about video games. Um, right. You know, and it, it's just you hear a voice uh, but mm-hmm. I mean, anybody is it can make a their voice sound, you know, younger or whatever. Um, oh yeah. I mean, it's so even that show the show Catfish. I mean, just shows how it's so easy online to you know just personify somebody else. Um, yeah. For any any number of reasons. So so yeah. So these are in our modern world. It's becoming more and more and more uh, prevalent, more easy to be able to. Um, reach out to to be in your to be in your home essentially for a trafficker to be in your home uh that right. i mean honestly it's a it's uh much trickier scarier ways than you know thinking oh someone's gonna break in because you could you could get your house fortified have the cameras up you could put the alarms on okay but then your child has a phone in their room well the trafficker's still getting right into their bedroom uh through that right. means so I mean, it's it's a yep. lot um, trickier than the movies, than what we were initially even a lot of people are thinking. Exactly, exactly. And a part of it is just because it's everywhere, and everyone is so used to it now. You know, every adult pretty much has a smartphone um, and is on social media along with their kids. So it's become just so normal that I think sometimes it's really hard to wrap our brain around. Uh, the dangers that we are allowing our children, you know, to get into and to be to be tempted by, or for someone to take advantage of them, because we're just it's just so normal to just all have a phone or a device, all be on it, you know, all be doing something on social media, taking a picture, chatting with someone, you know, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. So we so this is the initial contact. And then, um, you know, again, I don't know that everybody's seen, but a lot of people have seen those shows or those news specials where they actually catch, you know, whether it's a pedophile or a certain person. So we we can kind of guess at the next step, maybe that person who's pretending to be someone underage, uh, they say, hey, why don't you come over to my house or let's, you know, meet in person. Is that usually the next step? Yeah, a lot of times. But sometimes because... um so many people are fine with it comes to just pictures and videos. Um, they're perfectly fine with getting some inappropriate pictures or videos and then um, selling them to other people or putting them on specific websites that maybe obviously the um, teenagers or young people have no idea the pictures were going to go there. But um, they're seeing a lot of uh, things happening that way and or convincing that person to, to send the same types of pictures or videos to another one of their buddies. Um, but yeah, usually if they're going to be physically, you know, 
traffic, the next step would be then, hey, I just want to meet you in person. You know, I'd really like to get to know you better. I want to hang out. And so, so let's and we're, let's come back to um, what you've just mentioned because I think that's something that people don't think about. I think what we normally think about is what we're what we're going to talk about for just a minute now, which is that idea of okay, they're going to trick them into being physically, you know, taken, kidnapped, whatever uh, trafficked. So at that point, if someone is going to be physically trafficked and they're going to go meet with the individual, is at that point when they first meet them that all of a sudden now there's a switch uh, that, oh, you know, that's the kidnapping point? Or is there still an illusion when they first meet up? Um, I would say sometimes a little bit of both. I feel like more, I, it kind of depends on the, the predator, I guess. But mm. sometimes, yes, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a flip of a switch. As soon as they meet them, boom, they're either you know, taking advantage of them right then and there, or yeah, like you said, pretty much kidnapping them. And then other times, um, it's this, uh, this continued illusion. They still might take advantage of them in some way, but somehow they've convinced them that whatever they did was okay. And they're going to meet up again. And then it might, they might continue that process for a while, um, before they've actually, you know, done anything where they've exchanged money or sent them to friends for money or anything like that. Yeah, so I was, um, in, in some of the things that I've read and things, just talks about uh, two names for for traffickers. In other words, there's one group called the guerrilla trafficker, mm. which is kind of that, you know, physical would be that more intimidating presence that you would think of kind of the kidnapping person. And then maybe right. even more prevalent would be the Romeo, which is, yep. okay, at, at some point you feel as if you're in love with the person, therefore, you don't think that they are taking advantage of you because, well, why would they do that? Because, you know, they love me. So you're doing these things exactly. because you're trying to help, um, you know, that person has asked you to do this, and so therefore, okay, you know, I'll go along with it. Yeah, that is exactly, exactly true. So these are the kinds of things that, that lead to that, what we normally think of. But I think, yeah, even more... Um, important maybe uh, because it's not normally talked about uh, for us to talk about today would be what you just referenced a minute ago um, which is maybe somebody uh, they never uh, physically are trafficked uh, they never have to go through that physical abuse or anything like that um, but especially we know more and more even even just among teenagers uh, that have no ill intent in terms of, of you know, selling photos and types of things. We know that uh, sexting is becoming more of a thing. And for those who may be listening who are older, what that means is simply sending photographs of yourself. Um, could just be, you know, half-dressed, whatever it is, um, but sexual photographs to another person. And especially when we talk about this, it's mostly involving minors, involving younger people, although it, it could be yep. older in some degrees. Um, but so, so talking about that, um, so what... Um, I guess just going back to, so this person is, is going to be asked, they're asking for photos and they receive a photo. Now, what is their intent with this photo? What are they going to do with that? Uh, well, often, obviously one, one, uh, intent would be self-gratification. You know, they want to use it for themselves. Um, but they often use it kind of twofold. It's now, um, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Blackmail. Uh, so now I have this picture of you. <laughs> Uh, and if you don't, you know, send me more, I will send this to other people and or your friends or I'll show your parents. Um, so it could be definitely used that way. And that, that could also be a blackmail way for, to get them to meet them or just to simply give them more and more. Uh, because I know that some teenagers, they start with just the photographs then it turns into videos and even sometimes live videos or multiple predators are watching. Uh, so it really gives off, um, sending just one photo can really give this predator a hold on this, um, uh, minor, usually, like you said, uh, individual, and make them feel like they can make them do anything. Yeah, that's um, uh, in that blackmail aspect. Then they feel afraid to tell parents or you know people, teachers or whoever it would be, um, because they don't want that information to be released, those pictures to be mm -hmm. released. Although, sadly, that the truth is probably they already have been to some degree. You know, they're gonna. People right. want to profit off this in some way, and so I'm sure mm -hmm. uh, they didn't just keep that to themselves and, and kind of stick by their word. Um, so, 
so, uh, you know, all of that, thinking about that and the ways that people, um, even especially we've kind of focused on uh, minors, are, are being trafficked, being sold, uh, being taken advantage of, exploited in different ways, um, leads us into thinking about, um, you know, even just in general, um, thinking about the issue of not just sexting, but also pornography online. And I know that this mm-hmm. is, again, it's a related topic in some people's minds, but it's not something that they necessarily connect the dots on. Um, right. You know, I, years ago, I heard a debate in person, and it was uh, between uh, Craig Gross, who, who started uh, a ministry called TripleXChurch.com, um, and then there was the other guy was Ron Jeremy, a famous porn star. And, and his thing was to say, listen, we're against anything illegal. But he said, what I'm for is consenting adults and that consenting adults would watch it. That's all I'm for. Now, from that point of view, we know as Christians, we know you know kind of what Jesus says in Matthew 5, but talk, talk to us through this, um, the, the harm that can come, even if we're talking about uh, images online and videos online that are consenting adults. Oh, yeah. Um, so it just opens up your, your brain chemistry to this whole fantasy world and life that is just not <laughs> uh, not reality um, and it hurts it hurts marriages and relationships because then the expectations is what you are viewing and often um, when I've talked to many people who have any any issue with pornography uh, they want more and they want different or more violent because you, they just they need they need to keep switching it up and then uh, a stat that came out when I was uh, listening to a um, webinar recently from Protect Young Minds said that 50 of the most popular porn videos found that 80% contained physical violence. Mm. So we're saying a lot of porn out there is already physically violent. We don't even have to specifically search for that. And then you're bringing that into your homes and into your mind thinking, you know, I want to try that. I want to experience that. Um, And how harmful that can be not only to the people around you, but to yourself. Yeah. Yeah, so it, um, yeah, definitely. And again, that is, it, it's just a illusion um, and that people are, the more it, you see something or the more you buy into something, the more you feel as if, even though you may not think it or say it out loud or whatever, that it is reality, um, mm-hmm. it becomes more of a reality. So this mm-hmm. leads you into kind of the danger of the more you see something, the more you watch something, the more it becomes a part of uh, your life or your thoughts, even when you're not watching it, even when you're not, uh, you know, going online and, and looking at this. Right. And I've heard um, from multiple uh, professionals who have interviewed anyone who's been caught with child pornography that often they started out with regular adult, you know, legal pornography, and then it, they digress into Hmm. child pornography um my assumption is because you know they continue to want more in something different and so they just went down that rabbit hole yeah yeah because it it continues to escalate um Mm -hmm. in all in different ways maybe it was more violent or maybe it was you know the child uh pornography but whatever it is we see that escalation um, of it. it, it wasn't that the people normally just stayed at the one level um, and said, "Oh, that's right. you know, that's fine." Um, mm-hmm. So this escalation um, is obviously one problem. Are what what are some other things um, as we look at? Maybe is there is there any overlap with the issue of human trafficking as far as this? Well, uh, from what we've been told and what I've read in, in articles and such, and from people who have been trafficked themselves. Um, a lot of people in porn videos are actually uh, victims of human trafficking and are, and or are currently being trafficked. Um, sometimes it is something that has just started out at such a young age that they have gotten to a point where they feel that they can't do anything different and they're getting paid and so they're like, you know, I might as well because um, I, I can't get out of this hole. And then other times um, there, are, there are many situations where someone is legit being trafficked and it seems like it's under the illusion of a legal pornographic video from two consenting adults and the reality is that's not that's Mm. often not true okay yeah and that makes sense and again just any way to make money and it's kind of like money laundering in a sense it's like okay well we can 
you know, say we know this person's over 18 and, and so it says that on the video and so, you know what, this is all consenting, it's all legal um, and it's just, a, it's just another way to take advantage of that person and, and not have to fear being arrested because, hey, I have a legitimate company here um, right. and, and go through those routes. I would assume that probably, and I don't have any research or statistics to back this up, but just based upon all of this, it's probably likely that that exact same thing is reflected in those legal uh, brothels or so-called legal brothels out in you know Las Vegas and all those sorts of areas. Um, right. It'll be interesting to see how many are actually you know consenting, like, oh, this is my job, and now I'm going to go home and have you know a regular life. Um, I, right. I have a hard time believing that it's a lot of people. I'm staying here. <laughs> yeah, here. yeah, yeah. So I know you were mentioning something um, that maybe you can tell us a little bit more about uh, before we were before we talked today, um, which was um, about this idea of being a predator, being a, a trafficker, these types of things. Um, you were saying that maybe there's a link between pornography and uh, um, a child becoming a predator themselves. Oh yeah. So um, they are saying that. Children um, are viewing pornography at younger and younger ages. Um, they say the average age of first viewing it is around 11. Um, and they say 26% of 13 to 17-year-olds are actually actively seeking it out. But age 11, you know, it could be that they accidentally stumbled across it and or someone sent them something. something. But then as they get just a couple of years older, that we are seeing a good chunk of kids who are actually trying to find porn and are watching it, you know, intentionally. Yeah. Um, and a Apparently not having that hard of a time finding it, obviously, since it's all pretty much internet-based now. Um, right. But uh, when they are just like just like adults, you know, when they are viewing these graphic images and becoming um, more relaxed at what they are seeing, often for uh, especially for kids, uh, just like it is a problem with adults, but I would say even more so for kids, you want to try what you are viewing. You want to. Um, you know, feel like, okay, they're doing this, they seem like they're having a good time, or it seems like it's fine, it's normal, um, you know, I want to, or I need to, or whatever. Uh, and so we are sometimes seeing uh, the children, often the children who are predators, meaning they're, maybe let's, maybe let's say they're 14 or 15, it's really hard to view a child as a predator, but let's say they're 14 or 15, and they either have a younger sibling and or a friend who is 11 or 12, or maybe just a year younger than them. And next thing you know, they're asking them for sexual favors, or asking to see them, you know, partially dressed or whatever. Um, and often that older person was viewing pornography pretty intensely, and that's what originally gave them the idea to even think about doing that. Hmm. Yeah, and of course, as we've already said, that's only becoming easier and easier because, you know, I don't know how long ago, but I mean, maybe... 40 years ago, something like that, we could say, well, the way that they'd have to access this is go into a store, you know, be willing to ask for that. It's behind the, maybe a lot of times behind the register in a paper bag or something. And, and people might be too embarrassed, especially kids are not going to be able to have access. A lot of times they'd have to go right. into some parent's stash or something like that, those stories you hear. But it would be a lot harder to get a hold of. Again, now... Mm -hmm. That's not really the case, so this escalation could happen a lot faster than it ever could before. Right. Most yeah. definitely. Um, I was, it, it's funny how you kind of described that scenario, because I just watched that Childhood 2.0 documentary recently. Um, if you haven't watched it, you really should. It's on, available on YouTube for free. It's really good. Oh, okay. But they, they do a lot of back and forth talking to the parents and talking to the kids. And that's what all the parents were saying. It's like, yeah, when I had to, if I wanted to look at anything pornographic, I had to, you know, go to the store. We had like a magazine hidden under the bed and, you know, that kind of stuff. And then you talk to these teenagers and they're like, well, yeah, I just go, you know, click a couple buttons and there you go. And um, it's just, yeah, drastic, drastic difference in access. Wow. Yeah, I'll put a, I'll make sure to put a link to that. I'll find that on YouTube and put a link in the show notes so people can go and watch that. I have not seen the that yet but that um would be good to watch definitely um after people listen to this go over there and check that out um definitely. uh so i was thinking about people who are listening to this and maybe there's some um maybe even you know if there's a teenager listening or something and you know i'm thinking about uh in matthew 5 jesus talks about when people think about you know these issues of lust and pornography and stuff they usually quote or think of matthew 5 where jesus said you've heard it said do not commit adultery but I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. 
Now that was in the first century world before you know photographs were even possible. Uh, so that that this was even pre you know ma magazines and things like that. Um, but right. so Jesus said that, and then we kind of think of that same thing. You know, they they were. He said, if you look at them and you think about them in your heart, so you, they're just looking. It's in their own thoughts. And someone may be listening today. They say, well, you know. Uh, that's certainly scary to think of the escalation, but a lot of the things we've been talking about have been some extremes. We've been talking about the end result, so the violence or right. the, um, you know, becoming a trafficker yourself or these types of things. But someone listening might say, well, you know, I've never felt interested in that. You know, I'm just not, what I'm, I'm not paying for anything. I only go to the free sites and, you know, I, I don't really feel that it's right, but also how am I really, you know, hurting anyone or, you know, it's just in my own thoughts. Nobody else knows about it. Um, so what would you say to somebody who is kind of not getting into anything too extreme, but they're just, you know, going to free sites and, and that sort of a thing? Um, well, yeah, I, I reiterate what you said, you know, with Matthew 5. Um, even if it is just in your own mind, you are still committing adultery. Uh, so um, if you are married and or even if you're not, if you have a future spouse that may, you may, you know, meet someday, um, you are literally, you know, sinning against yourself and against them uh, by doing that against God. And so, yeah. uh, and then just the whole idea of if that was your daughter or your wife or your sister, you would be, you know, completely appalled at viewing it. But that is someone's daughter. That is someone's sister or mother um, and, or son, you know, and, uh, yeah. and by participating in it, you are saying that that person isn't as valuable as maybe your family member. Um, and we have no idea how that person came to make that video. We have no idea if they're currently being forced. We have no idea if they were actually consenting. We have no idea if this started when they were under 18 and they are 18 now. Um, so just taking into consideration all those factors that you could be potentially participating in, you could be potentially participating in trafficking, you know, in a, in a third party kind of way where you are um, making this video more likely to be viewed, so they're going to post more because more people are watching it. You know, so many different things. And like I said, just to help take it take it personal and to think about your own family members and how you would you would be uh, just you know terrified to see anything like that of them on the internet. And we should feel the same way about our you know other created images of God. You know, all around us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, there are so many stories that I've heard of people who. Even those who, um, you know, uh, were consenting to it um, said, oh, okay, well, I'll just do this one video. It'll make, you know, uh, X amount of money. That sounds good for my college fund or whatever. Um, they did that and thought nothing much of it uh, at the time in terms of they felt like they could move forward with their life after that one video. But then a family member or someone came across it um, or even, even um, greater in some of the stories that a, um, a college came across it, it came out and then they were, you know, not allowed to go to their college or, you know, they were not allowed to, they, they were actually um, um, fired from a certain job. Um, so right. they, they thought, oh, this is going to help me get greater opportunity. And then it ended up lessening the opportunities or, you know, maybe excommunicating right. them from the family or whatever it was. And of course, once that's once they've signed the papers, even in consenting stuff, once they sign those papers, it's not like they could say, well, you know what? It's kind of been causing some trouble. I want to go ahead and take that down now. Um, they've already right. signed the rights away. So mm -hmm. they can't change their mind after that point. Um, and right. it's already out there. And I mean, once something's online anyways, you know, people make copies of it. So even if the, the main company took that down, I mean, it's already been passed around and made copies of and all this sort of a thing online now. Um, right. So it's, yeah, once somebody makes those types of things, it's, it's I mean, digitally out there forever. Um, yep. But I'm thinking, you know, uh, even of like somebody who would think about, you know, oh, well, well, I'm not really contributing towards the problem in that, you know, I'm not paying. Um, I remember hearing right. from a guy who was a former um, porn producer and he pointed out how just like any site, I mean, Facebook, we know how it's free because of all the ads that come up when we're going through the newsfeed. In the same way, right. anybody who's ever been to one of those sites knows there's all these pop-ups that come up or, you know, there's there's ads everywhere. And so what ends up happening, um, according to the this producer, was he was saying, like, when you go to a free site, all those pop-ups or all those ads, 
every time those are viewed, which they are when that page is loaded, it pays money to the big companies. So even though you are viewing something for free, just like you're going on Facebook 100% free, you are actually giving money to the companies that come up on those Facebook ads. In the same way, uh, you're giving money to the, the big companies in those ads that come up on the free sites. So um, yeah, there is no such thing in any anywhere online as, as a, like a free service. It's all um, you know kind of funded by those things that come up on the sidelines. So um, we are contributing in one way or another, even if uh, you think you think you're not. So exactly. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, all of those things um, definitely. And again, Jesus, even you know, for Christians, has kind of the bottom line of um, you know lust and and whatnot, and um, that idea of kind of being extreme in the language of saying if you're right, I cause you to sin, gouge it out, or your right hand, you know. Um, but just that, you know, I've, I, I've read that that's just kind of talking about this, this idea of, you know, that's, if we really were to picture that, that's like a, a, a bloody, violent picture to think of someone gouging out their eye or to, you know, cut off their hand. That's like, you know, a horror movie that we'd watch around Halloween time. Uh, but right. what Jesus is essentially saying is, uh, well, you think it's really not all that bad what's happening just in your own mind. That's actually more violent, more destructive, more graphic than if you were to cut off your hand or gouge out your eye. Um, so I think that's, that's an interesting way of thinking about it because we often think how harmless something is. And yet Jesus is saying it would actually be less, less, um, less harmful to, to cut off a body part uh, than to do what you're doing uh, by degrading somebody into a thing. Uh, versus them being in the image of God, because when we when people view you know anyone lustfully, they they're not thinking about that person as you said as a mother, daughter, sister, brother, whatever. Um, they're just thinking right. of an object, um, and that's really what it comes down to when we're talking about this uh, in human with human trafficking, uh, pe people becoming mm -hmm. objects. Right. Yeah. Most definitely, and I I really like that perspective that you just gave. I don't think I'd ever heard. Um, that put quite that way, but that is very eye-opening to think about something, yeah, being more horrible and, and grotesque than, you know, gouging out your own eye, and that's how God sees it, and that is, that is so true, so true. Yeah, 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 well, um, I'm trying to think because I, I wanted to make sure that we talk, I think we talked about a lot of the stuff in terms of human trafficking, kind of the basics that people are, um, that people should know, but maybe before we before we end up, maybe, and I don't know, we didn't talk about this beforehand, so I don't know how much you know or don't know, but have seen on Facebook, but have you seen, or uh, there's a lot of people I know that are listening that have definitely seen uh, the stuff about Wayfair, and have you been, in, have seen some of those things recently? I think online? I have heard about um, a couple of those things, and from what I've heard, they were all kind of like uh, conspiracy theories. Yes. Is that, is that what we're talking about? Okay. Yep, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and yet, when, except there's so many videos out there that people can be convinced by uh, these things. So, I mean, not to get into the depths of what it all is, but basically it's this posted viewpoint that people are doing videos about and posts about, um, and there's, there's views that come off of this, but the main thing that started it all was that this company that sells furniture, Wayfair, uh, they had actually uh, priced some of their stuff online it was shown as like really high prices, a couple of their items. And it was a mistake is what the company said. You know, they repriced it, they fixed it. Uh, but what people said was, oh, this is actually a cover for human trafficking. There's going to be celebrities, and they named some celebrities, these people who are kind of in charge of the conspiracy. They're like, here's these celebrities. They go on there and they order a couch. But what actually happens is what is shipped to their door is a human being. Um, and so... This was the kind of conspiracy, and then things have devolved from there where there's been some added on stuff from that. Um, but how do we know, you know, when we see these things come up and hear somebody on a video and they seem to have evidence, they say, well, here's my, you know, there's stuff that's made up that looks very convincing in any of these theories. Right. Just like the, right. the fake moon landing stuff that people post online, like we never landed on the moon and here's the reasons why. Stuff looks convincing in, in some of those videos. Well, how do we know when we're hearing this stuff what is the truth about how people are being trafficked and what is just made up stuff? 
Well, often I would say for people to give it time and to not jump on the bandwagon, because um, a lot of these conspiracy things, um, while at the very first, like when they're first posted, a whole bunch of people will be will be jumping on and saying, yeah, that's true, I, you know, I agree, blah, blah, blah. But then within a week or two or three or whatever, not very much time usually, you'll see all these against it posts saying, yeah, this was a hoax. Yeah, this isn't true. Yeah, there's no evidence. Mm. So I would say not to try to jump on the bandwagon too early. And um, I would also say that in general, I would say we need to be a lot more focused uh, locally and what we can do in our own communities than these big potential conspiracies. Yeah. Well, I mean, even we we know for sure that there is trafficking worldwide. I mean, that's a, a certainty. Right. However, if we get so focused on worldwide and it's happening in Kenya and it's happening in Brazil, then it's like, well, well, where do we start? And then people get too overwhelmed. But if we, like you right. say, we focus in on locally, well, we can we can hope and, and we know uh, that there's a team in Hungary, so we don't have to worry about that. There's a team in Illinois. There's a team in Youngstown. There's a team in... You know, all these places. And so um, we don't have to expand so large, whether it's true or not. You know, it's just so overwhelming. We can focus in local. Okay, now what am I going to do in my community? And that's really where we're getting into in all of these episodes. The bottom line being, you know, we're we're hearing from and we're going to hear from people who are doing so many different things in the direction of freedom. And you can do, you know, whatever your strengths are, you can... Uh, move in the direction of freedom in your local area and there are so many ways that that can play out and that's that's what we're really seeing in the grander scope of these few you know several episodes um, is all the ways that you can get involved that you can make a difference exactly exactly and being informed yourself is that first step to oh, yeah. educate yeah. yourself listen to you know uh, podcasts and uh, you know stations like this so you can get informed and see what's out there and go from there people yeah absolutely and actually that reminds me of of one thing i was going to ask you and i don't know if you do but um if somebody was wanting to kind of learn more or even um start kind of teaching prevention in in groups themselves um is there a certain curriculum that you use or that you guys started with that people should kind of read into or look into i don't know i don't think we really have a specific curriculum it's kind of like um I mean, constantly we are getting more information. I mean, in the six years we've been around our specific team, um, I mean, every every couple of months we're getting new information. And that part of that is because things are constantly changing, especially with the Internet. Yeah. Um, but uh, but there's a lot of um, big websites out there. Like, and well, the Set Free Movement has a big website, obviously. And then, um, and then we have, like, Protect Young Eyes. Uh, and that's really what's coming to my mind right now. But... And the yeah, point sure. being, there are a lot of uh, big uh, corporations that, if you go to their websites, they can give you lots of bits of information, statistic-wise, um, uh, you know, article-wise, regarding specific stories of how, you know, this happened in certain areas. Um, but, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't think we have a specific type of curriculum, no. Okay. Yeah, like you say, there are so many both free and, and uh, books that you can buy out there. I know, too... Um, mm-hmm. I'll mention again, um, which listeners have heard um, last week, that you know Kevin Austin, him talking about, he's he's putting out a book, um, and so that should be out very soon. Um, but you know that will obviously be a resource uh, specifically through Set Free. Um, but another mm-hmm. another um, another book that I found interesting that anybody out there could possibly look into if they wanted to, um, because it relates specifically to trafficking in America. Um, is called In Our Backyard, Human Trafficking in America and What We Can Do to Stop It um, by mm-hmm. Nita Bells. And mm-hmm. it kind of opened my eyes to, again, I was familiar with the sex trafficking um, and I knew other kinds of trafficking happened elsewhere, like China, labor trafficking, those types of things in other places in the world. But I didn't know how many other kinds of trafficking were really happening here in America um, until I read that and it came out in 2015 so again like you were just saying amanda um it is you know so many things have changed even in five years but at least it gives us you know a starting point to go off of and and then we can kind of research the updates on those things and kind of the new numbers and whatnot um but right yeah absolutely well thanks so much for um for coming on today and talking to us through all this stuff i think it's going to be very helpful to many people um, and I will definitely also put a link to 
uh, your Facebook page for your team there. So if people want to reach out or uh, ask you a question, maybe a follow-up, they could go through your face, the Facebook page for Set Free as well and um, connect up there as well. Awesome. And, yes, we are um, going to try to have uh, – we're putting together an Internet safety course that we're going to be trying to put on our Facebook page. So if that's something anyone is interested in, uh, definitely be on the lookout for that. We're hoping to have it up within the next couple of weeks. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks so much again, and uh, if you guys have any updates or anything to share, let us know, and we will share it here on the podcast. Thank you so much, Josh.